from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. I'd like to start by thanking the National Endowment for the Arts for its, <laughs> for its continued sponsorship of the festival and of this pavilion, uh, even in these challenging budget times. And I'd like to thank the Endowment and the Poetry Foundation, represented here by Steve Young, uh, for its continued sponsorship over eight years now of the extraordinary Poetry Out Loud program. In 2012, Poetry Out Loud reached 365,000 students from over 2,000 schools in every state, two territories, and the District of Columbia, and awarded over $100,000 in prizes and scholarships. And I can tell you that the recipients of those prizes and scholarships, or some of them, are going to be here today. very proudly associated with Poetry Out Loud uh, from its inception. Uh, first as a staffer from the National Endowment for the Arts, and this is a genuine 2006 National Finalist Medal, which I did not earn. <laughs> and uh, then for the last many years, I've been uh, involved at the, 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 the very beginning level of, of Poetry Out Loud. Uh, as a judge from my local high school. Uh, is there anybody here from Washington Lee High School in Arlington? We are the winningest high school in Poetry Out Loud history, and I hope that anybody here from Washington Lee is getting extra credit in English for being here. Uh, this year, for the first time, I'm also appearing as a Poetry Out Loud parent, because my son will be participating this year for Washington Lee. Uh, which means I don't get to be a judge. Uh, and go Jeffrey. I, I want, just want to acknowledge the presence here of, of the champions of parents, uh, and also for, of, of, of a coach. I'll introduce them later, but you guys play a really critical role, as do all of the teachers who teach this program. One thing about Poetry Out Loud is you listen, as you go to all the different tents today, and you listen to all the speakers, Remember that this presentation, the first presentation of the day, is really special. Of all the presentations at the National Book Festival, there's only one that isn't by authors. It's by readers and for readers. And that's this presentation that you're here for today. So today you're going to have the very rare treat of hearing the 2012 Poetry Out Loud champions. We're going to hear third price, excuse me, third place winner, Marque Hassan. Second place winner, um, Claude Mumbari. And national champion, Kristen Dupart. Claude and Marquet represent the very best kind of readers. The readers who take a work of art, a work of literature, and make it their own. And that's what Poetry Out Loud is all about and why we're all here. So uh, please welcome our, our, national, our national champions.
is start with Mark Marque Hassan, who's the Utah State Champion for 2012 from Logan High in, in Logan, Utah. She's here with her dad, Dennis Hassan. She's now a freshman at Utah State, where she plans to be an acting major. And she is currently a lead dancer in Legally Bound, which is fabulous. Uh, and my, my day job is as a lawyer, and I have to say Legally Blonde is what I personally model my professional career after. So please, rock out.
Even now, I wouldn't mind being God. The force who spins the planets the way I spin a globe, a basketball, a yo-yo. I wouldn't mind being that teacher who chooses the fruit. Or that favorite kid who gives the moon its glow. State champion from Burlington High School in Burlington, Vermont, is now attending St. Lawrence University, and uh, he's done uh, since his championship narration work with NASA. So if you want, if, if you want to hear Claude's work, uh, Google Loop the movie on YouTube and check it out. I'm 
under the terrible burden of destiny, laughing as a young man laughs, laughing even as an ignorant fighter laughs who has never lost a battle, bragging and laughing that under his wrist is the pulse, and under his ribs, the heart of the people, laughing. Laughing, the stormy, husky, brawling laughter of youth, half-naked, sweating, proud to be hog butcher, tool-maker, stacker of wheat, player with railroads, and freight handler to the nation. She Walks in Beauty is actually one of my favorite love poems. Uh, it is very, very beautiful. And the reason why I chose it is because the year before I competed in the Poetry Online competition, there was a girl who said that she had a tattoo on her foot of the title of the poem, She Walks in Beauty. And she heard me recite and she said it would be amazing if I, 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 I would make a perfect interpretation of, of the poem She Walks in Beauty. And so I took that into consideration and uh, did it for the 2012 Poetry Island competition. So here is Schwartz and Rudy by Lord Byron. She walks in beauty like the nights of cloudless climes and starry skies. And all that's best of dark and bright meet in her aspect and her eyes, thus mellowed to that tender light which heaven to God denies. One shade the more, one ray the less, it half impaired the nameless grace which waves in every raven truss. Or softly lightens o'er her face, with thoughts serenely sweet as press, how pure how dear their dwelling place. And all that cheek, and all that brow, so soft, so calm, yet eloquent, the smiles that win, the tints that glow, but tell of days of goodness spent, a mind at peace with all the Judy Garland uh, as, a, as a monologue for her friend 16th. That was really cool. 
national champion. And today I'm going to do two of them for you. Um, the first one I, I will be doing is uh, What Work Is by Philip Levine. And I actually got to meet Philip Levine yesterday at the Library of Congress. And I, had to, I got to have an interview with him and talk to him about the poem. And this poem really resonates with me because, you know, it speaks about the voiceless worker. And he portrayed that so well in his poem. So I want to share that with you guys today. What Work Is by Philip Levine. We stand in the rain in a long line waiting at Ford Highland Park for work. You know what work is. If you're old enough to read this, you know what work is, although you may not do it. Forget you. This is about leaning, shifting from one foot to another, feeling the light rain falling like mist into your hair, blurring your vision until you think you see your own brother ahead of you, maybe 10 places. You rub your glasses with your fingers, and of course, it's someone else's brother. Narrower across your shoulders than yours, but with the same Sad, sad. The that does not hide the stubbornness, the sad refusal to give in to rain, to the hours of wasted waiting, to the knowledge that somewhere ahead a man is waiting who will say, No, we're not hiring today for any reason he wants. You love your brother. Now suddenly you can hardly stand the love flooding you for your brother who's not beside you or behind or ahead because he's home. Trying to sleep off a miserable night shift at Cadillac so he can get up before noon to study his German. <laughs> Works eight hours a night so he can sing Wagner. The opera you hate most. The worst music ever invented. How long has it been since you told him you loved him? Held his wide shoulders, opened your eyes wide, and said those words, and maybe kissed his cheek. You've never done something so simple, so obvious, not because you're too young or too dumb, not because you're jealous or even mean or incapable of crying in the presence of another man, no. Just because you don't know what work is.
for you guys is um, I'm a Fool to Love You by Cornelius Eady. And the reason why I chose this poem is because I, like, I love the message that it portrayed, um, the imagery of it. And it was just awesome, and I just love it. And I'm going to present that poem to you next. I'm a Fool to Love You by Cornelius Eady. Some folks will tell you the blues is a woman. Some type of supernatural creature. My mother would tell you, if she could, about her life with my father. A strange and sometimes cruel gentleman. She would tell you about the choices a young black woman faces. Is falling in love with some man a, a deal with the devil? In blue terms, the tongue we use when we don't want nuance to get in the way. When we need to talk straight, my mother chooses my father. After choosing a man who was, as we sing it, of no account, this man made my father look good. That's how bad it was. He made my father seem like an island in the middle of a stormy sea. He made my father look like a rock. And is the blues the moment you realize you exist in a stacked deck? You look in a mirror at your young face, the face my sister carries, and you know it's the only leverage you've got. Does this create a hurt that whispers? How are you going to do? Is the blues the moment you shrug your shoulders and agree? A girl without money is nothing. Dust to be pushed around by any old breeze. Compared to this, my father seems, briefly, to be a fire escape. This is the way the blues works its sorry wonders. Makes trouble look like a feather bed. Makes the wrong man's kisses a healing. Thank you. The um, uh, students and teachers of, of Stonewall Middle School out in the audience, future Poetry Out Loud champions. <laughs> um, we, have, we have a few more minutes. Uh, if anyone has, has any questions for our champions, if you want to come on up. Practice tips from Stonewall Middle School. We do have microphones if you if you want to come up and ask ask your questions. Actually, my first question 
since you went first, Mark, you didn't talk about why you picked your poems. Well, um, I guess I sort of picked poems that spoke to me the most. And it was interesting that I picked both uh, I Felt the Funeral on My Brain and Ego, because on the surface level they look very, very different. And that's one of the reasons I chose them, because they're very different styles and um, the way they're written. But once you look at them, they both have very similar themes, where they're talking about um, things beyond us and finding our place in the world. And I didn't see it as much in I Felt a Funeral in My Brain. I thought it was a dark poem, but um, it's really about that connection. And uh, it was interesting to me that I picked both of those. But it was really, I just, I read a lot of poems, and I, I picked the ones that were really, really powerful. And then uh, I had like 15 poems that spoke to me, and I narrowed it down from there even, just to the poems that I thought um, I could connect to the most so that I could share them the best.
and um, at that time I was doing a, a poetry unit in my AP English class, so I was like constantly thinking about poetry, and I got some of my friends involved, and we, we just read a bunch of poems together, and we got all down into the details, and we were studying poets, and before that I'd never done anything, and all of a sudden I was doing it 24-7, so. Um, yeah, it was just sort of word of mouth as I found out. And uh, to answer the other question, my third poem was um, W.S. Merwin's Vixen. So, yeah. I'm a teacher librarian in a middle school, Stonewall Middle School, in fact, and my students don't really know about poetry out loud. So I'm asking you, what would you tell the adults in the lives of students about how this has changed you and how, the, how important this is and what can we do as adults to get students involved in poetry out loud? Um, I know firsthand that poetry out loud has helped me and you know I've been blessed with so many opportunities just by being involved in this program. I've gotten to meet B.B. King and recite for B.B. King. I've gotten you know to go to the state capitol in Mississippi and perform. I'm here, I've got, I had dinner last night at the, um, in the Library of Congress, so that was awesome. Poetry Out Loud provides a lot of opportunities for young people. And something that I would say to inspire teachers to really get into the lives of young people to develop this program is to just encourage them, help them go after their dreams. Don't just, you know, say, okay, you have to be, you know, this, this, this. Let them try something new, because you never know. I would have never thought that I would be here today speaking in front of you. So just go and motivate them. Even if they think they can't do it, make them think that they can. Because so many times people feel so discouraged, like, oh, I can never get up there and speak like okay or Claude. So just get out there and encourage them. That's the biggest thing. And my mom knows firsthand, and my coach, Miss Nick, how they know how big I am on, you know, encouragement and how how that has helped me. And you know, I'm pretty sure it's Claude and McKay. So I just want to encourage you, teachers, just to really get involved in their lives and make a difference. So. Thank you. I mean that that was a perfect. Um, and so I'm not even going to touch that at all, but uh, just, just to add on, uh, poetry, not, not only is there opportunity, but also I feel like through Poetry Aloud, I've, I've become uh, a lot more eloquent in my speaking. You know, I, I'm a lot more careful with, with, with my words, and I try to, to sort of pick, pick out sort of uh, terms that make me sound a lot smarter than I am, you know? And, <laughs> It works. It, it's really, it, it really helps with the language portion of things. And um, in terms of opportunity, um, it was through Poetry Out Loud, um, there was this uh, producer who works for NASA and makes documentaries who heard me recite and, you know, thought that I'd be the perfect voice for his movie. And I had the opportunity to narrate a documentary for NASA. And I guess, <laughs> I really could have never imagined that in a million years. So it is really, this is really an amazing program. And I'm really bummed that I can't do it anymore because I'm in college. But really, you guys, the, the young students out there, really encourage you to just go out and do it, you know? And the poems, when, when poems are heard, uh, sort of, I don't know, there, there's something more that comes out of it from from simply reading a poem than, than hearing it, you know? And I know some of you might have experienced that today as we read, you know? It, it's definitely a different feel, a different experience. So just 
do it, you know?
that's that's one of the biggest reasons why I, you know I stuck with poetry is because I felt that I can get a message across to so many people that will come out to hear poetry. They won't come up just to hear me, you know, ramble on and on about something. So if I had it through a poem, they're like, okay, we're gonna go. Sorry, gonna go see this girl that's you know speaking about you know that's reciting a poem. So that's that's one of the reasons why I stuck with poetry. I've always, um, I've been involved in theater since I was pretty young, but, uh, and I've always loved to perform things, but I found that the um, poetry experience is so different, and I didn't expect that it would be, but I remember um, performing my third poem at the state competition in Utah, and um, just coming off stage and feeling so elated and just feeling like I had done the best performance of anything that I had ever done in my life. And I was trying to think why that was. I think a lot of it was because when I'm reciting poetry, I'm really me. And you speak, you let yourself go through the words, but you're not playing a character, and you're not pretending to be someone else. And that's one of the really beautiful things I think about sharing poetry is that it connects to everyone, and you pick poems that connect to you. So when you're sharing things, through it, you're really showing yourself, and like Kristen was saying, showing how you really think, and uh, it, it's a very different performing experience, but, presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.